Succession Season 2, Episode 7 Return is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, and I'm joined here by the woman I will spend every Christmas with for the rest of my life free of charge. It's Emily Fox. Emily Fox, how you doing? I'm good, although you could pay me $20 million and spend Christmas with me every year. <laughs> can I really? I'd be up for that. I honestly don't think that I can. <laughs> I, <laughs> think I, could, I could probably work my entire life and that will not be possible. Yeah, uh, so. that's probably the truth. How are you doing, Emily? This episode is called Return, and ironically enough, I have yet to return to you as we are stranded across the, the continent from each other on, on opposite coasts. That's true. Um, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just uh, hanging in there, you know, uh, living my life without you. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like it should be a song. Living my life without you. Yes, Emily Fox and I, we are coming your way, talking about succession. Uh, typically, we are in the same room together talking about this wonderful HBO show. This week, we are broadcasting from uh, from our, our home office in New York slash the great Kevin Mahadeo's apartment in Los Angeles, where I am currently housed. All right. So we're talking about Succession Season 2, Episode 7, Return, uh, in which a lot went down, which I feel like is a thing that we say about literally every episode of Succession. Once again, I think the chatter tends to be that every episode is the new best episode of Succession is something we've talked about on this podcast. Do you think that that is the same for this week's episode of Succession? Or does this one feel a little bit more like a table setter to you, Emily? This feels like a table setter, to be perfectly honest. And you and I, to be fair, have not briefed each other on how we felt about this at all. We are going no. in cold to this. We've um, barely talked in the last few days. So this is, seriously. once again... This if is very you guys nice. sensed it being like a little awkward, it's because we don't like know each other anymore. We haven't really spoken for more than like 10 seconds other to like do like, you know, a, a life check of like, you're alive, right? Things are good, right? Yes, okay, cool. Yes. And even if things are bad, we're like, okay, well, that sucks. I'll see you in like five days. Yeah. Um, Literally, so, that has happened. So I apologize yeah. to you, Emily, <laughs> Emily if it's, I've been split focused and I know you have as well. You know what? It's just the system we have that's down right now. So, oh, my uh, God. oh God, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Um, no, I do feel like this is a table setter. Um, it felt a little too convenient for a lot of the strange storylines that kind of took left turns in this. I mean, it's not terribly out of character for succession to be doing a lot of the things that it's doing, but this felt a little bit more pushed and, and rushed in a way, if that makes sense to you. I actually think that it felt slower in some ways. Really? I, yeah, in, in some ways I feel like um there's been uh, there's been more of like a a sense of propulsion to some of these episodes because like they've all been built around an event. Like, you know, it's like everybody gathered together at the Summer Palace or everybody gathered together to to do something about Valter or everybody gathered together for the hunt uh, for the boar on the floor. Everybody gathered together to woo Pearson. Uh, everyone's locked down in the potential active shooter situation. Uh, everybody's gathered together at Ariestes. You know, everybody <laughs> everybody's gathered together for these reasons. Everybody's gathered together at the Pierce's right in, in Turnhaven. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this one, people were were still gathered together and there were there were events, but I felt like they were the, sent to divide and conquer also. Yeah, there was there was that. But there was also sort of like a sense to me of like 
like a like a glominess, a gloominess to the proceedings that lacked maybe a little bit of that like succession action movie quality that's yeah. been so pervasive throughout the season. So I actually felt like there was a little bit of a, a molasses feel to it. Not that it's um not that that's necessarily a critique. In fact, I think it was good for this point in the season. We've only got three episodes left and there's a lot to accomplish for sure. And I feel like we're set up really nicely for an exciting finish uh to to what has been a spectacular season of tv um but i think that this is like kind of like a moodier one uh more internal because you're dealing with a lot of the stuff that like kendall's going through this time is you know kind of regressive and slow um but i think like you know the question that has been posed to us emily of like which episode is the best episode of succession season two i really couldn't tell you but right now i would say not this uh, right now i'd say return is at the bottom of the rankings for me but that's not even like you know, it, it's like such a, a pie in the sky, like a, a very lofty, high class problem for Succession to have. Right. Exactly. Their worst episode of the season. Yeah. It's like having the weakest dish in Top Chef where everybody made really great dishes in like the final like three or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I I guess I agree with you. I guess I was thinking it felt rushed just because I felt like it in, introduced a bunch of different plot lines like Tom and uh you know, cousin Greg suddenly like burning these papers together and like doing all sorts of stuff like that, where I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like really, this is like what we've decided to do all of a sudden. But I do understand that, you know, at some point you need to set up sort of how we're going to neatly put this into a box at the end of the season and, and sort of prepare for the next season. So that makes sense to me. Um, But yeah, I actually do agree with you that it's more of like a molasses flow where you're like, okay, I can see a lot of these things sort of coming together and congealing in a really sort of like deliberate fashion. But I do think that in a lot of ways, I loved the Kendall storyline. Yeah, of course. I thought thought this was such a telling thing and we'll get into it with feedback, I think too, but um, it was such a a beautifully written script for his character specifically. Yeah. And I think it really captured a lot of, you know, the dread, the anxiety, the depression, you know, the suicidal sort of tendencies that we've watched Kendall sort of struggle with in this season. So I loved that. I thought that was so incredible. And um, on a larger point, we saw Logan and how he sort of deals with this and doesn't deal with it. And sort of seeing that parroted back from Kendall's mother as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this was a really compelling episode. Yeah. Was it not sort of the same fast-paced, quick-witted, sort of episode for you I mean, it's, it's still quick-witted like I'm, yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking at my notes and like there are just like some lines in this episode like the whole scene between greg and tom when greg takes tom to his office where he's been keeping the documents <laughs> and they're in a folder that says secret and tom is like ah secret but not top secret and the actual envelope that everything's in says receipts but they're not actually receipts like it was still it was still very quippy and everything like that like yeah. roman roman has a great line to Shiv at one yeah. point where, where he describes Waystar. He's like, yeah, you know, Waystar, we do hate speeches and roller coasters. Like, it's still like fast yeah. in the dialogue. I think yeah. just the events, even though things are moving forward, you know, there's there's so much to talk about with with Logan and Ray. Uh, just there's a lot that's happening plot wise in this episode. Yeah. I think it's just it's a little more inward. It's a little more internal. So it's, it's maybe a little bit more of a of a of a ponderous 
episode. But as Emily says, we have feedback. We will get into all the feedback. We will run through the individual storylines as well. But that feedback, we love getting from you guys. You can always send it to us. We are on Twitter. I am at Round Howard. Emily is at Emily and always tweet at Post Show Recaps as well. And you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash feedback to write in through our feedback form. Emily, before we dive into talking through this week's succession, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. And believe it or not, our sponsors are actually a totally different podcast uh, for this episode. It's a podcast called The Lead, uh, which is coming your way from Wondery and The Athletic. Um, Now, people who are listening to this podcast and have heard me podcast for a while, uh, if you know me at all, and you probably know I am not the world's biggest sports fan. Emily Fox, I feel like you can attest to the fact that you, you're certainly much sportier than than I am, I would say. Yeah, Is that and fair? that's saying something. You've got, you've got like a lifelong affiliation with your New England teams. I mean, I have to. I would be excommunicated from the from whole the tr- region. <laughs> I think so. Uh, but I mean, I really love sports when I get to watch them. I just don't follow any teams. I don't follow any major overarching narratives because I honestly like I really you have don't no loyalty, Josh. Well, I, I love the Mets, but like it's it's from a lifetime of cousin Benjamin and, and his family taking me to, to Mets games. But I never really like dug into the mythology. Like that's just never something that I've been able to do. Honestly, like I don't really know where to start or like how to easily do that as somebody who's a casual sports fan. Anytime sports are on and if a bunch of friends are watching it, like I could follow along and have a really good time. I just don't really understand like what's at stake what's going on. And I think that people know that I'm a big story guy. That's why I'm here talking about succession. That's why I'm here talking about any of the podcasts that we're doing here on post show recaps and story is a big focus of the lead, which is a sports podcast. It's hosted by sports writer Kavitha Davidson and Peabody award winning journalist Anders Kelto. And it comes out every weekday morning and it brings you one big story from the athletics, vast team of reporters every weekday morning. Uh, Maybe it's a fresh take on a major news event in the sports world. Maybe it's an in-depth look into what's happening off the field. Um, it might even dive deep into like huge controversies that have happened last year or in years past. It could catch me up on what's going on with the Mets this year, Emily, because I've heard they were like really good for a while. Rob Sesternino was super stoked about it. Now maybe it seems like maybe they're not. I don't know. I have a hard time following this stuff. So the lead can help me out uh, is potentially the, the cure to my issue. Uh, but this podcast, it's going to cover things that I would definitely be interested in, like mental health and sports topics like that. The leads a daily lens into the biggest sports stories of the day from the points of view of the people who write those stories. So if that sounds interesting to you, if that sounds like something that you would like to listen to, you can subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or however you listen to podcasts, your podcast app of choice. And at the end of this podcast, at the end of this week's very succession podcast that you are listening to right now, we'll actually have a preview of The Lead to give you a sense of what it sounds like. So stick around through the end of this show uh, and you can hear what that podcast is all about. But Emily, let's talk about succession uh, because there is much to discuss. And the episode is called return and it features a a return to England where so many things happened last season. So many terrible events. Uh, A boy died Kendall was involved in the boys, a, boy? <laughs> a, a, a young, a young man, a young man, a young man Sorry. died, a young man died. Uh, and Kendall, in a way, died as well. In a way, Shiv may have died as well because she had to marry Tom Wamsgams. 
in a way, Tom Wamgams, Wamsgams may have died as well because he had to marry Shiv. So much death. Uh, and we're meditating on a lot of that in this episode as we come to find out that uh, that Stewie, uh, Stewie and Sandy, they seem to be like sending out uh, these. They're they're like pushing like the the tabloids, right? Like they're trying to like get the tabloids to force this narrative of Logan lashing out at the waiter basically is what caused the waiter to die. And Logan is furious about this. Yeah. Uh, I also appreciated the hot dogless hot dog that was like in that weird smear campaign. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Like the, the anti Roy family propaganda yeah. videos that they were sending out to the shareholders. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess this is one way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, we're going back to sort of the scene of the crime, so to speak, and for different reasons, sort of trying to secure voting uh, privileges that the Roys would have otherwise assumed were on their side in terms of shareholders. So um, Roman has been tasked with going to meet up with his mother, who what owns, what is it, 7% or 3%? of? I think it was 3%. Yeah. 3%. Okay. And, you know, needs to make sure that she's on their side. And, you know, Kendall's kind of coming along, too, even though you can tell he's like, really, I should be going to this. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's freaked out because, like, this is the scene of the crime. And, like, he's actually, like, been, like, maybe, like, recovering in some capacity, right? Like, at the very beginning of the episode, he's sending dick pics to his, you know, basically new girlfriend, Naomi. I was a little worried. I was like, oh, God, this is how you get blackmailed, you know? Like, in this show especially, like, don't send a dick pic on Succession. You don't know when that's going to turn up. It might end up in the hot dog bun. Yeah, it could end up in the hot dog bun. I think for, (laughs) look, for Kendall at this point, how much worse can it get? Like, if a Kendall Roy dick pic leaks, uh, I feel like that's a better day of the week than if it leaked that he killed you would just be like my dad told me to leak yeah my dad told me to leak this uh but yeah he's coming along for it roman is coming as well shiv is not invited shiv pulled a jerry Maguire and released an internal memo about how things have to change and nobody's into it uh she's really like she's getting the jerry Maguire treatment of people being like yeah, I really liked the memo. Ugh, you're clearly going to get fired. Uh, like, as soon as she sends that out, like, you know, like, she was already on her last legs. But she's even talking about what happened at Ariestes, uh, as though it were a dinosaur <laughs> gate. Uh, so she knows, I think, that she is in uh, on thin ice. So she's not along for that ride. She's not invited. Uh, she's going to go out on her own anyway, eventually. Um, but the strangest of the passengers is Rhea Jarrell, uh, Holly Hunter. Yeah who we saw get yeah. fired from from Pierce in Ariestes uh, and uh, is now really cozying up to Logan Roy. Uh, it seems like we're going full on a uh, rhino versus hummingbird with Logan and <laughs> with Logan and Ray. Emily and I are doing this by video yeah, podcast, by say. the way, and your face <laughs> just scrunched up in a fantastic way. That was really, really fun to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we never get to face each other when we're actually talking about this stuff. So I think there are a lot of things that aren't seen. Oh, I thought you were going to take a picture of me just now. I was like, Josh, no, no, I'm <laughs> taking a sip of water. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you reached for. Um, but yeah, uh, the hummingbird rhino thing. Ugh, I pretty can't. gross, pretty gross. Yeah. But I mean, it, this is, uh, this is a fairly big deal. Uh, you know, Rhea and Logan are going to spend a ton of time together in this episode. She allegedly has some theater to see in London. 
it seems more like Logan just really likes Rhea. Uh, and Rhea is at least putting out there that she's interested <laughs> in Logan. She's putting out there. Well, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. You know, I really don't. I, I think once you get the rhino and the hummingbird imagery in your head, you really don't want to take it any further than that. Both are going extinct, so we don't have to worry about them for that much longer. It's yeah. I mean, I, in real I, life. Aren't but we also all, like, aren't we yeah. all though? Aren't we all? Uh, but but she's coming along to, you know, allegedly give him some uh, to give Logan some business advice. She speaks the language, of course. Uh, she has some great line. She talks. They're, they're like talking shop about like what happens if at this point uh, Waystar just gets bought up uh, and they get bought up by like a big like new media conglomerate. And she says like, yeah, what happens is the next Zuckerfucker swallows you whole and shits you out like an app. Uh, like this show is just so well written. Yeah. Uh, but like she's there like initially doing like some of this consultation stuff. She's even getting in on like the ribbing of Shiv as yeah. everybody's doing like a dramatic reenactment of Shiv's memo. I thought uh, that was pretty crazy and also pretty realistic as to probably what would happen in this scenario, right? Yeah. I mean, she's burying her. Like, you know, everybody's already incentivized to bury Shiv because there's so much succession tension, right? Who's going to be the successor? And now that succession. Shiv IT herself, succession for sure. <laughs> uh, and Ray is like going to call out the luxurious spacing and the memo. Uh, and, and so, like, I think that there are, there's definitely like some question marks in Ken and Roman's minds about. Rhea being here, it doesn't seem like Roman is taking it too seriously, but even in like his increasingly and understandably nervous and paranoid mindset, um, Kendall has at least a little bit of the wherewithal to try to challenge his dad on like, are you sure that Rhea should be here? Like, are you sure that this is such a good idea? And it's not even like, and I think that this tells you everything about like the morality of the show it's not even like a, but you're cheating on Marcy. Like, it's oh got yeah, no, nothing to do with that. It's like literally, uh, if she's if she is is as here as she is, uh, like, isn't it possible that she's like gonna gather dirt on you, like the crusty old man who is on his last legs to try and like game you out of some money or some sort of deal? And Logan's really not hearing it, and I kind of wonder, like, because that's the moment when Kendall calls. Logan out about Rhea is that the moment where Logan decides like you know what Kendall like you're starting to like become too much of an individual again and I just really need you to see things my way so let me drag you to the kid's house and we're gonna Ugh. go confront it together yeah he was like I saw the corners of your mouth rise up a little bit into a form of an almost smile so let's yeah. wipe that right off your face like oh devastating yeah because like Kendall, like, it seems like maybe he's gonna, like, he's at least flirting with the idea of a growing closeness with Naomi, even though the pure steel went under. Logan doesn't like that Kendall is seeing somebody connected to Nan Pierce. Um, I don't know that Logan likes the idea of Kendall being as close as he could possibly get to another human being, you know, to, to a, a woman that he could potentially have feelings for. I think Logan wants Kendall to be in a relationship with Logan, right? Like, I think he just wants him under his thumb and that's it. And I feel like it's pretty consistent still with the idea of Logan um, wanting Kendall to live in like the pits of despair for a little while to like live in that, you know, blue part of the fire for a while. 
so that he can come out stronger. Like, I think that maybe like he's starting to see uh, that Kendall is, is losing a little bit of like, I don't know, is, is losing a little bit of like what he's been forged into by, by the incident and by Logan over the last little while. So it's like, this is like kind of like a sink or swim tactic. It almost feels like to me. Well, it, it it sort of brings me back to what Rhea was saying on the plane to Logan before the kids got all rounded up and brought in was, you know, who do you think the successor is going to be? You know, is it going to be uh, Shiv who thinks she's smarter than she actually is? Is it Roman who could probably do it, but he's like, yeah, can you take him seriously? But like, he'd probably do an okay job. Or are you going to give it to Kendall who's like perfectly like, suited sitting in a diaper making a mess of himself on a regular basis and I was just like oh man that really does portray Kendall pretty well right now because he is just sitting in it (laughs) yeah sometimes sleeping in it too yeah Uh, right but it's 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 so it's so rough uh I think uh Antonio Antonio Mazzaro had a great tweet about like why is it that I'm paraphrasing why is it that like I feel so protective of Kendall more than like anything like on television right 100% like to feel that way about a guy like Kendall Roy is such a testament to uh to Jeremy Strong's incredible acting but the writing of him as well but just the like the the pouty look on his face as he realizes that he has to go to the house, like the look on his face of like his cheeks just kind of like puffing up his lips pursed the way they are. He really does look like a little boy. I think Logan says like, you have to come into the house with me. You can't just like sit in here like a Labrador while I go and talk to these people. Um, and like, you're, we're not even like, we're not even treated to seeing the conversation between Logan and the family, right? Like we're stuck with Kendall who's stuck in the kitchen of this 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 guy who he who he killed his house, seeing pictures of him on the wall, drinking his uncle's tea, uh, and like it's water. Actually, he didn't have the tea. Sure, fair. Uh, well, he was <laughs> he was he was offered it. He had the choice, right? Yeah, uh, he didn't want to sip that tea. <laughs> no, he's not drinking the tea because he doesn't want to spill it uh, for fear of what could happen to him. Uh, and just like to contrast that with where he was earlier in the episode, like he's laughing privately on a private phone call with a different human being that does not belong to his family at the start of the episode. And to go from there, like, you know, he was going to go out to uh, he was going to go to like what, like the zoo or a park with Naomi yeah. at one point. Um, so it's tough. This is this is awful. And what's worse and I know that you you uh, got into this a tiny bit with Dave Baker on on Twitter, and we've got you know feedback from him later on in the episode. Is that uh, that Kendall? He's obviously not going to get any emotional relief from his father, but he hopes that maybe he can get it from his mom, mm-hmm. and he can't. Yeah, we, you know, she's get, not even willing to entertain it. She's like, uh, "Is this going to be a heavy thing right now?" He's like, "Yeah, it's pretty serious." And she's like, "Hmm. Well, then maybe like tomorrow would be better." It's like I'm so tired. <laughs> Maybe be better over an egg. Uh, he's like, yeah, that'd be That's good. That's what I always say. I know you do. <laughs> uh, I mean, like he is having a reaction to what is happening to him and what has happened to him and what he's been involved in. Uh, not dissimilar to the reaction you would have from eating an egg, right? Like he wants to spill it all out. <laughs> oh, God. He's bursting. You have to say that. Come he's, on. He's Unfair. bursting. He's Unfair. bursting. He's bursting. Listen, if I tell you I want to talk to you about something over an egg, that means I never want to talk to you about it ever. Yeah, pretty much. And I, I think um, the fact that she leaves in the morning uh, after saying we'll talk in the Maybe morning. Maybe she's allergic to eggs, too, and she doesn't want to deal with that. 
<laughs> I think she's allergic to emotion, clearly, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I so what we're really seeing is the fact that there has been no emotional support put in place for any of these children, really. And it's always been about chasing after expectations and trying to outperform each other and sort of win affections from parents that are cold, if not like on the edge of being sociopaths in a way, you know, like everyone's there for their own gain and not particularly interested in your own personal, you know, issues unless they somehow directly affect you. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just tough. It's, it's really rough for, for Kendall, uh, where it's, it's very hard to know where things are going for him because I, you know what, actually, I think that this is something that that's worth talking about is like, what's the scenario in which Kendall gets out from under Logan's thumb or his rhinoceros paw as it were, do rhinos have paws, Emily? Is that a, how you would, a hoof? Would you say what you would call a rhino foot? A foot, a rhino foot, or a hoof. Look this up. Yeah, you can you can look it up. Uh, how is he going to get out from underneath his father's influence? Is something that we've wondered, and we've wondered about the fact that like, could he go darker? Like, could he break worse? Like, have we not seen his rock bottom? Could he do something so astronomically awful to his father? It looks like you have the answer about the rhino. Yeah, uh, they have three rigid toes. Okay. <laughs> so how, <laughs> how does he get out from underneath Logan's three rigid toes? Uh, is it going to be a situation where like, uh, like, careful what you wish for, dad, you made me a monster and so I'm going to be a monster and I'm going to eviscerate you in a, in a, in a way that is, uh, a, a, to, to say impolite would be uh, very generous to, to what I would do to you. Like, is that what we're going to see or did we get some some work on that front in this episode in the fact that his father really abused the shit out of him in this episode? He dragged him to the to the scene of the crime, right? Like he and yeah. he did it in this very callous, manipulative way of look, not to excuse what's gone on with Kendall. You know, um he, what he was involved in is awful and he should have you know, there should be justice for what happened to this man. Um and I think that Kendall probably knows that in the pit of his stomach and it's survival instincts that are keeping him um, from from doing anything about it. Is it impossible that he unburdens himself, uh, you know, publicly in a way where he uh, has to suffer big consequences for it? I don't think that that's impossible. And I, and I, I think um, that could be a direction that we go in based on this episode where his father is really not there for him. He really re-traumatizes him by bringing him to the house. His mother is not there for him. Not that she necessarily re-traumatizes him, but reinforces that he's so alone right now. Um, so, so I wonder if that's going to cause him to squeal, right? Like, is that going to cause him to to speak out? Or at the very least, is it going to get him into a position where he's incentivized to listen to. And I think now we can start segueing into talking about Shiv, who gets shivved in this episode, right? Like <laughs> whatever chance she had at succeeding Logan Roy is really out the window at this point. Uh, and she is expertly manipulated by Rhea uh, over that lunchtime conversation that they have where Rhea is like, put yourself out there to succeed me at Pierce. Like, if that's something you want, I can talk to the right people. And Shiv takes the bait. And Rhea had told Logan, what if I talk to Shiv and I can do something that makes this easier for you? And so Shiv goes and finally talks to Logan and Logan's, you know, in full on piss off mode. Right. Like, you know, like I know that you're trying to betray me over a what, like a little speed bump of family dynamics. Um, and Shiv's going to end the episode saying to, uh, to her siblings, like, I think we should be careful here. I think that, uh, you know, she calls Kendall specifically. She's like, I think I just got screwed here. 
Um, could we be seeing an alliance starting to form between Shiv and Kendall here based on the way they were treated by their father in this very episode? I mean, it's not out of the you know realm of possibilities. Um, but I mean, everybody's been manipulated and abused in this episode. Even talking to Roman where he's like, I uh, didn't really graze your face, right? I didn't make contact with it. And like right. Roman's like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. everything's fine. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I could see an alliance building pretty easily between Shiv and Kendall. It makes sense to me. And then Roman and Jerry... Uh, interestingly enough, are still sort of working together, I guess. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think we assume so. We didn't see Jerry in this episode at all, so we don't really get a sense of the Roman and Jerry dynamic this week, so I think we can fairly assume it's unchanged at the moment. Um, but I I do think that is, is Roman going to be as eager or as uh, amenable as surprisingly as Kendall? You know, Kendall being the guy who has just been like a full on yes man to his dad all season long. Um, I think right now seems like a likelier candidate to break ranks from his father than Roman, who even though he got hit in the face, he was fairly happy being gaslit by his dad in the car being like, uh, I don't even know if I even made contact, did I? Uh, and Rowan's like, yeah, you know, I actually don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, and Logan's saying like, you know, if I, I didn't mean to hit you. That's not something I do. And Roman just like not challenging it at all. Uh, and Did you believe that line? I was like, it's definitely something you do. Yeah, it's absolutely something you yeah. do. A hundred percent it's something you do. Um, but Roman like goes out there and as like a as a messenger of his father in the the negotiations with his own mom right in the negotiation of like can you give up the 3% so that you can uh, so that so that we can survive this potential takeover we need to loosen up the funds uh and when he goes back to his dad with the deal of 20 million plus christmases forever that's a phenomenal deal for Logan uh, because he's not willing to get rid of the house and like if he has to abandon Christmas or the house I'll abandon Christmas every day of the week um, but I think he, he the way that he reacts to Roman when he comes back on the plane where Roman's like did I do good and Logan's like yeah buddy you did great and like gives him yeah. like the big attaboy so I think that I think that Shiv who's just been fully shivved by her dad and by Rhea I think can get into Kendall's ear about it right now because I think Kendall deep in his heart maybe knows just how awful his father is based on this latest interaction. But I don't see Roman yet being at a place where he's susceptible to that. Well, I think it's also like a seesaw. Usually if one of the other kids is screwing up, Roman gets put on a pedestal and vice versa, right? Roman also sees that as an opportunity. I think if Shiv is kind of being pulled through the ringer right now, Roman can see that as a one-up for himself. Yeah. I think as we're trying to track the the ways in which uh, this season could end with Roman as the likelier successor, right? As Roman, as Logan's new number one boy, uh, with Roman getting maybe more of like a serious focus in season three. Uh, then the scenario that I can see right now is Shiv pulling in Ken, the two of them trying to pull in Roman, and then Roman screwing them both. Uh, yeah. and, and Shiv being on the outside, Ken being on the outside, and Roman being closer to his dad than ever before. It certainly wouldn't be the first time that Roman uh, was supposed to be aligned with Kendall and instead chose his father. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think that's just the nature of how these dynamics work between these siblings. It's a matter of who's going to claw their way to the top. Yeah. 
Um, what did you think of uh, of everything going on with Tom and Greg in this episode? Back in America, uh, the 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 curious case of the photocopied receipts. Uh, um. Cruises <laughs> is back in focus, and Tom is going to be grilled by internal affairs, basically. Right, and I think you know what's really compelling is him watching and realizing that he has no buffer whatsoever in this. You know, he sits down, he starts getting asked questions, which he expected to be softball questions uh, as he relays to Shiv later. You know, I, I didn't think this was going to be a real thing. I just figured, you know, I go through the the motions and nothing really happens. And Shiv, literally taking a play out of her parents' book, uh, decides to be like, hey, well, this is actually all about me. And like, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, Here, hold my purse. Like right. all this stuff throughout the episode where she's just like, emasculating him to the nth degree. Um, But that is a real moment where he's like, oh, I'm on my own here. And like, I probably am going to be the one that takes the fall here unless I do something about it. Like he's coming from like a very desperate situation. Right. Yeah. And he, he like, it dawns on him in that meeting with the, with the two people who are investigating the matter. (laughs) And he's like, I actually, I would love to give you my undivided attention, but I have to pee really bad. I have a pathetically weak bladder, like an old woman who's had a baby somehow, uh, which (laughs) I don't understand what any of that means, but okay. What do you Uh, mean you don't understand? I don't understand how the old woman has had a baby somehow. No, like a woman who had a baby. Mm, Yeah. Your bladder control ends up being kind of screwed up. I didn't know. I had no idea. This is news to me. Um, something you don't have to worry about luckily that's <laughs> true uh unless true, true. you're the first person like junioring it but i don't think you will be i don't think i will be either yeah um but tom is tom is obviously as you say really concerned uh and so he's going to now try and be uh he's gonna go full alpha on greg it's time for the blackmail to disappear none of that stuff can disappear and this is bad news for greg because if this goes away he has no leverage so it's the tension of the friendship between tom and greg uh and it ultimately is going to lead to the seizing of the documents from greg's office (laughs) uh greg would like that corner office by the way he doesn't like sitting next to what's his face leo the yeah. guy who smells. <laughs> yeah, or like sneezes too much or something yeah, like that. Sneezes, I don't know. Yeah, sneezes like <laughs> a cartoon character. Uh, um, that's like you. Uh, <laughs> I have, I have a, a, a very yeah. dramatic sneeze. I apologize. It just comes out of nowhere. That's really the thing that gets me. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it does lead to a, a hilarious series of, event, of, of events that sort of bookend the more serious scenes that are going on in the UK in this episode. But I have to tell you that the bathroom scene of Greg testing out his phone and how he can record things like that was the funniest thing. I was laughing so hard at that. At first I was like, what is he? Oh, I see what he's doing. And is he like trying to jail? Is he like trying to rape? Is he trying to hype himself up? Like, is he trying to hype himself up to be like, I don't know, like a badass? Is that what it is? (laughs) It's that. And also testing the microphone options. Yeah. Yeah. I'm involved in a criminal conspiracy. (laughs) you go to jail you go to jail would you like that pretty boy yeah male rape just rape of the male uh it's just like i shouldn't (laughs) laugh at it because like it's just so absurd it's it's nick it's nicholas's bra nicholas braun's line delivery is just 
he is he is a master that Ichabod Crane fuck. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's just he's so so freaking good. Uh, what is he like? Here I am, moving, moving, yeah. brisk movement. This is faster. This yeah. is faster. Wind is blowing, and I'm talking faster. And he's uh, going like like moving his hands around to make the wind. <laughs> yeah, because he's like trying to mimic yeah. what it's going to sound this like when they're front, out on the balcony. Yeah, this is my front coat pocket. Yeah, inside. <laughs> like, this is my front pocket, inside pocket, front. Yeah, pocket, there you go, <laughs> inside pocket. Uh, hilarious. I mean, as somebody who has had to like test audio before and stuff, like it was very resonant for me because like I haven't tried to like blackmail anybody, but like I've had to record podcasts and stuff, and I've had to like record podcasts in weird environments, so I've had to do sound checks and stuff. So I was just dying. I was cracking yeah. up. Um, That's so funny. So in in your mind, like I- I'm trying to kind of figure out exactly what Greg thinks he's gonna gonna do here. Um, he's going to burn the copies. The copies are going to be destroyed, but by recording the interaction, he's still going to be able to like have something over Tom. Is that what's going on? It's basically uh, insurance for himself. So if he knows that he got forced into a situation where he had to get rid of the only remaining documents and he has it on tape that he recorded Tom, then he has something to play back in case he gets pulled into this investigation further. Do you think that Tom gave him enough on the recording? Like well, held up in a cult of law? As somebody who watches a lot of true crime. Yeah, you uh, do. <laughs> yes. You know, he was basically like uh, trying to sort of like get these specific statements out of Tom in a way that was sort of very, I don't know, natural, but it's Greg. So it's not sounding natural at all. Whereas well, like, it's also really just- great that we got together and like, we're going to get rid of these documents that totally implicate us. Like, yeah, what? but Tom doesn't like say anything. He doesn't say yeah, anything. That Tom's really not, a, not a complete moron. He's a bit of a dope, but like, he's not, you know, going to say the words, but I don't think that he suspects that he is being uh, recorded in that moment. Um, yeah. Well, they had a couple of beers, so that's helpful in, in Greg's favor. Right. Um, when they're starting to burn the stuff. But him grasping for like the lighter fluid covered pages before <laughs> yeah. Tom comes back was so ridiculous. Yeah. So now he's got shreds of evidence, right? Like he still has like a couple of things uh, that I feel like potentially depending on if he if he actually grabbed stuff that is, um, you know, relatively important. Uh, then he then he still has some power there. But the other side of it could potentially be uh, that it could be trouble in paradise for Tom and Greg uh, and nothing more than that. Uh, if Tom just finds out that Greg took like two basically like harmless pieces of paper or like to a certain degree of harmlessness compared to how much worse what he could have grabbed. Like if just by chance, like he got like two of like the lighter pieces of paper, two of the lesser crimes, Emily, <laughs> the not so bad ones. What if it was like the cover sheet and then yeah, like right. the back yeah. sheet with the appendix at the end or something? And then that's it. Yeah. The worst case scenario for if you, Greg. If, you, <laughs> if it you was know. like a book report of sorts. <laughs> yeah. The worst case scenario for Greg is like that. That's what he got and that he recorded Tom and got like nothing on Tom. And he tries to make some sort of move with the bullshit that he's got. And Tom is then like uh, furious with Greg for the betrayal. Right. Like, you know, like he doesn't really have anything on Tom, but now Tom can't trust Greg. Um, and then what's Greg's move at that point? I guess talk to the biographer. Yeah, no, I was thinking to myself, what would I do? I'd probably already have another set of copies that no one could get to in like a safe deposit box because yeah, I'm well, an old woman. Yeah, and uh, smarter than smarter than Greg. Yeah. And then I'd probably mail that to the reporter of my choice. Mm-hmm. 
And then, um, yeah, probably the Pierce side of things. Ooh. Well, if Ooh. I really wanted to take the whole company down, though, and I didn't really, I, I mean, it's not in Greg's best interest to do that. It's probably just to make this particular situation go away so it's not hot on his neck. Yeah, so we'll we'll see where it's going to go, but it's it's <laughs> the way that it all played out was really really funny. So good. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. We'll we'll see. I I should also say I I think we yada yada passed and I don't think we're going to get uh we're going to get any feedback on it. Uh what did you think of the fact that Kendall went and dropped money off uh at the family of the victim? Did you did you catch that he did that? It's no. very quick. It's very quick. Sorry. Uh so so he go he goes back to the house at night, uh, and yes. he goes to the to the door and he slips a bunch of money through the mail slip uh, because he's obviously feeling very um, you know very upset about what he did and feeling terrible about what he's done. Uh, do you think that that can come back to bite him in any capacity? No, I think it's more demonstrative of the fact that his family has always used money to solve problems. And that's probably the only way in which he can help in in this particular way, because he probably doesn't feel like he has the emotional capacity to deal with this. And what has he watched historically happen when bad things happen? He puts money towards it. So that's probably the only way in which he feels he can help. That's my read. All right, Foxy. Well, let's get into some feedback. But before we do, I got to talk about another friend of the podcast, Emily. This is like your favorite friend of the podcast. No one can see like the the great little like gremlin face that you just made on Skype. Yep, you're making it again. There it is because <laughs> Emily Fox knows who I'm talking about. Manscaped number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Emily, this is the second time in a little while we've had Manscaped on as a sponsor. I know the first time a few weeks ago with Cousin Benjamin, it came as a quite a surprise. It was a surprise. Uh, that, it that certainly was. That Manscaped is going to be a sponsor. Much like your shorn uh, genitals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the spirit. Uh, that's what we're supposed to be talking about and working on here when it comes to Manscaped, Emily. And to get those shorn genitals, you want that redesigned electric trimmer. We're talking about the Lawnmower 2.0. Uh, it's got proprietary skin-safe technology, so that trimmer's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt oh. your naughty bits, folks. Oh, man. Uh, Emily, help me out here. I what don't know thing? what to tell you other than, like, have you gotten a free one of these or anything like that? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> like, did not they send yet. you something? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so you, you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face that you're using down there. It's just nasty, <laughs> so that's why you want to invest in a lawnmower 2.0. <laughs> Oh, uh, the Manscaped, it's also got the Crop Preserver. Emily, we talked about that. <laughs> you love the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. I mean, I think that's a good idea. That's a great idea for sure. I mean, you've already got deodorant for your armpits. Why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest parts of your bodice? Mm. Listen, this is, this, is, this is what Manscaped's all about, Emily. Can you stop saying my name? Uh, you don't want me to say your name. And what, what should I say? M? Should I should I abbreviate? I should abbreviate it. Uh, you can get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code recap at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code recap. Please do so that we can keep talking about Manscaped here on Post Show Recaps <laughs> from now until eternity because it leads to a lot of very fun conversation between Emily and myself. Mm. Basically. All right. All right. 
Let's Great get, work. Let's get into the feedback. We've got feedback from the great Brendan Fitzpatrick. A lot from Brendan this week. Speaking of Manscaped, it's a pretty good lead into talking about the start of return and talking about Kendall and the little picture he took. Brendan notes. <laughs> What a what an assumption. I guess I don't know. I have no a little idea. picture. Uh, Fitz, Fitzy writes in and says, Kendall's dick pic. It's a really bad idea. And that's yes. definitely coming back as a possible scandal, right? What do you mm-hmm. think? Is that the last we've seen of the dick pic? Uh, I don't think so. I think that that is a dangerous game to be playing, especially with someone else who's not particularly stable from what we know. Uh, probably not great. Uh, Fitzy writes and says, do you guys have any awkward car ride stories that you want to share? Poor Roman. Um, Emily, to your mind, what is the most awkward car ride you and I have? I guess you and I were in a pretty awkward car ride the other week uh, when we were in Santa Fe. (laughs) Do you want to tell the story? Do you want me to? We took an Uber ride in Santa Fe and our driver was like this lovely, affable guy, but uh, started off like this one, you know, conversation, maybe like 10 minutes into the drive where he goes. So, uh, yeah, uh, you guys are going to a wedding. That's great. I got married out here like 20 years ago or something. And my brother decided to kidnap the uh, the bride. Yeah. And you and I were like cool mm-hmm. don't know where to go with this it was very um, strange we were like oh god like things have been like really pleasant and nice and then it took this severe turn uh and then he's like yeah it was like all like a practical joke because it was to raise uh money for the honeymoon and it was all good in the end and we're like but yeah oh, you like pay okay. a ransom to get her back to the party and i was like this is not- a lot this is a lot yeah, a that was a little weird. Yeah, but he was a really nice guy, and like, who knows? Those are other than the kidnapping, it was great. Well, uh, I don't know what they do in the Southwest, but that I, was like a little. It, well, we asked him, "Is this like a common thing?" He's like, "No, it's just like a personal family thing." So I don't know. I yeah. guess you could, you could make a show about that guy for sure. I believe they're still married and things are fine. Things so. seem to be okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely the most awkward car ride that Emily and I have ever been in. There's definitely nothing ever been in. There's definitely nothing that even comes close. There's nothing that we could dredge up from the past. No skeletons in our closet. We're squeaky clean. The Fox Wigglers. I think that there are multiple. Emily, just stick to the narrative. Sorry. Stay, 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 stay close to the to the family line. Uh, Fitzy also notes that Succession. Emily won an Emmy. It won an Emmy. It won an Emmy for writing for season one for the season finale uh, that actually takes place where this past episode took place. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Fitzy wants to know what we think this current season is going to do at the Emmys next year do you have any predictions like how much love is there going to be for succession what's getting nominated who's getting nominated i hope it's the flea bag of 2020 that would be great yeah Uh, i would love to see it in all the categories and if you've got a flea bag you know it could come in handy the the manscaped uh, (laughs) is something you really want to lean on uh Uh, the lawnmower 2.0 yeah but you you want you want a succession to be uh dominating next year well i literally was sitting there throughout the broadcast thinking to myself okay there's going to be so much uh more available 
for them to be uh, a part of for next year because, you know, Game of Thrones will no longer be uh, sort of in the mix and Veep's going to be gone. So like all of those things, I was like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, you know, changing of the guards. And I feel like that sort of puts Succession in a pretty great place. Yeah. Nominated. Obviously going to get writing nominations, going to get directing nominations. It's going to get outstanding drama nomination. Uh, What if if Nicholas Braun won? No, I don't. I don't. (laughs) I don't see him getting nominated, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, maybe like deeper into the run, like if Succession really continues to catch fire the way that it that it that it seems to of this season. You know, this seems to be like yeah. a can't miss show of the year, uh, sure. which is awesome. Um, but I could imagine like if Jeremy Strong isn't nominated, um, that's a crime. Uh, uh, absolutely, I it's think a it's a crime of, bigger than yeah. the crime he committed. <laughs> totally. Do you think he's related to Ryder Strong? One can only Asking hope. for a friend. <laughs> One can only hope. I think I can, I can, I can, I can visualize it. Right? It kind yeah. of they they've got a similar look. I think that they could be uh, cousins potentially. He's like the long lost brother that also left him with his dad. And... Perhaps related to Haley Strong. We'll have to ask yeah. Haley. Oh yeah, strong the, take there. If all the <laughs> Strongs are connected, um, yeah. So I think Jeremy Strong is going to get a nomination. I think. Um, Maybe Brian Cox could get yeah, a nomination. Yeah, I could see that. Sarah Snook could get nominated. Uh, I could see Holly Hunter getting like a yeah. guest star nomination, mm-hmm. I think is totally. pretty easy to see. Uh, so I think we're going to see some more succession representation at the Emmys for 2020. Agreed. Um, it's just a matter of what they are going to bring home, what kind of gold they're going to get. Fitzy also writes in and says, is it possible that Pierce has in fact been running a long con on the Roys all season long and their intent was to woo Shiv away and destabilize ATN to the point where they could actually buy Waystar Royco instead of Waystar buying Pierce? Is that possible? I mean, didn't we kind of talk about that a little bit before? Um, I think that they could be Trojan horsing it. Why not? You know, it makes sense. So in that in that scenario, Rhea wasn't actually fired. It's for theater and she's been sent to spy on. Logan. I'm here for theater. Yeah, we love That's right. Ooh. She was there for theater. Emily, you just blew my mind. <laughs> Sometimes my mind blows my mind. <laughs> Indeed, it does. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and then Fitzy closes his section of the feedback by saying the scene with Roman, Shiv and their mom talking about Christmas and the negotiating of it and the family drama hit way too close to home uh, for Fox and I as well. I would say there have been some, some very hearty Christmas negotiations that have occurred in our household. I don't know. I think uh, with the Roy's especially though, it's more transactional than it is anything else. Um, A little so bit. that makes it pretty difficult, but yeah, you know, I think that's the normal comings and goings of a, of a blended family trying to figure out who you're going to spend time with at what given holiday. Jackie Tomeyer writes in and wants to talk about that a little bit more. She writes and says, so my very favorite character, maybe ever Roman Roy did not have a huge role this week. His constant eating in every scene was kind of distracting. His negotiating was poor. His mom saw right through him and is a skilled negotiator. It kind of felt like Logan sending lambs into the slaughter to face their mother. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, I felt like, well, Logan, doesn't he say to them, like, offer her 10 million, uh, but you could go as high as 50. And I'll be really disappointed if we get that high. 
Yeah, like he's like, I'll be really pissed off if that ends up having to be what I I'll do. Be, I'll be annoyed if that's the direction that we go in. Uh, but do you think that he knew that Roman wasn't going to do well in the negotiation? Or do you think that um, Roman has returned from that conversation with his mother with at least the illusion that he did a really good job with his mom? Do you think that like Logan's authentically pretty impressed with Roman right now? I think Logan was probably like, you know, if we're talking about softballs in this episode. <laughs> Indeed, we were talking about it quite a bit. <laughs> um, maybe Logan sees this as an opportunity of like, well, I'm going to like send him on his way to like deal with her. And this isn't the hardest thing ever. And hopefully she'll take pity on the fact that it is our son who is sort of like, you know, the village idiot in a way. Um, and therefore can handle like this transaction on his own. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? No, like I where, it, you know, if he, if, if he had sent Kent sent Kendall, she probably would have been like, really? Wow. Your dad's super serious about getting this done. But with like Roman, she'll probably be like, okay, I can entertain you for X amount of time. Right. And sure. What does your father want? Totally. Totally. Uh, the aforementioned Dave Baker had written in and said, should we be more sympathetic to the Roy siblings, considering how manipulative and emotionally distant their biological parents are? Yeah, that's the great magic act of succession, right? That these are the worst people on the planet and somehow you feel terrible for them. Um, I was thinking to myself how succession really reminds me uh, of cruel intentions in a way. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Except no, it's kind of like how Steven Spielberg, you know, directed the Goonies and you're like, okay, like great idea, but like this a little like immature and like, you know, there was greater stuff to be pulled from you in a way, even though Goonies is an incredible film. That's how I feel about Cruel Intentions too, where I was like, I mean, I see what we're doing with this, but Succession is so highbrow and so smartly written and so sort of intricate, but it's the same thing where it's just like, you know really rich people doing really awful things to each other and trying to one up each other. And it's like mixed in with power and sex and, and beautiful real estate. Um, so in a way, I don't know. I, I, I felt bad for Kendall from day one. Cause you can tell that like, he's just like deeply troubled, but he does behave in a way where you're like, of course you're going to have these problems, but he gets it all from his parents. So it's like, it's like anything else. You you can kind of see the lineage and understand why they're doing what they're doing. And the amount of power and money only exacerbates the problem, I think, in this in this instance. You mentioned the Goonies, and now all I can think of is the the Roy's just need to find one eyed Willie's rich stuff and all of their problems <laughs> are gonna go away. They just need to get that all should that be gold. a manscaping cut. Ah, yes, indeed. There you go. <laughs> commercial. Oh my god. It just that, that just was. Is uh, literally a commercial right now. I want them to send us a free thing. Oh, God. See what it looks like. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's see what we can do. Uh, all right. Dave Baker also continues and says, please discuss the possibility that Logan names Rhea as his successor. Is that something that makes sense to you as a possible direction that this Logan and Rhea uh, relationship could, uh, could go in that direction as far as you can tell? Um. I would not be surprised if it did go that way, although it doesn't seem particularly smart for them to be having relations and that happening. Um, I think with Logan, obviously he keeps everything in the family with a lot of this stuff. So it's not that crazy, but I don't know. Like, can you, 
handle juggling an affair and your marriage and appointing this woman to well, your company, maybe the, like that feels like a bad idea. Oh, well, maybe the idea is Logan, you know, divorces Marcy and marries Rhea and names her as his successor. Is that something that like she could be angling for? Is this just going to be an affair? Is it going to be more than that? Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's got to at least be on Rhea's mind when she says like, I could look at some people. Um, and is this like, I mean, I, this seems like this is potentially like the, the, uh, the final arc of the season, right? Like if there's right. like, sort of like an end boss battle, uh, that we're getting into, uh, you know, Shiv and Rhea, certainly, uh, the preview for next week indicates that it's going to get fairly messy and Shiv knows that she just got screwed by Rhea. Uh, so is that going to be, um, you know, is it because Rhea is actively going for the job herself or is it because of what you, uh, you floated out the theory of her being a mole, you know, going undercover, basically. TBD. The great Antonio Mazzaro closes us out. He says, with only two episodes left, we clearly aren't going to get an answer, at least not this season, to the larger question of two, of who takes over for Logan. But what do you think the chances are that the question is rendered moot and Logan loses the shareholder battle? Did the events of this week move the needle for you one way or the other on that question? Um, I turn the question to you, Emily. Like, do you think that this episode made it closer to reality that we're going to, and by we, I mean the Roys are going to lose here? Uh, or do you think that they're going to find some way to get out of it again? I don't know. Um, that's a good question. You would think, you know, they always seem to fly on the seat of their pants with a lot of these votes and sort of like securing support and, and money and all of that stuff. But then they fall short a lot of the time too. So like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't, I don't know if we're any closer or any farther away from uh, them, you know, losing control. Let's make it, make a prediction. What do you think? Do you think it's going to ultimately be uh, that the Roy's are going to weasel their way out of this one again? Uh, or do you think that they're going to get bought out? Just what would what would you like shot in the dark? Where would you where would you land in terms of where the, the final season is going to go? I mean, historically, they've been able to weasel. So I'm going to expect them to continue to do that. Yeah, because uh, that's I what agree. happens in real life, too. Usually people that are this powerful get away with a lot. <laughs> I think that Logan's going to suffer yet another medical crisis and uh, Roman and Jerry are going to be left to be in charge of the company because Jerry is the successor right now. Uh, and I, I think Jerry, like I think somehow they'll be able to get away from the danger that Sandy and Stewie pose. Uh, we're going to see Logan do something that leaves Kendall out in the cold with Shiv. Uh, and then Logan's going to have some sort of thing happen to him. And then Jerry being in charge will be in charge alongside Roman. And that will be like the thrust of season three, at least the early going. Those are my predictions. How, how much did you love the just like the quick exchange that Jerry had where she was like, I'm going to use like our personal investigator to like dig up all this dirt on you, Roman. And Roman's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like into it. Loves it. Big fan. Yeah. Cause you know, she's going to like, like throw it back at him in like a weird, sexy, like, Oh, weird. That they have super, super weird where she's going to be like, I heard about this scandal. Oh gosh. Terrible. Oh gosh. Next week. We are going to find out exactly where this is all going uh 208 season two episode eight dundee is the name of the next episode of succession we will be back 
to discuss it. Uh, send us your feedback. We would like that at Post Show Recaps, at Round Howard, at Emlet. You can also send your feedback in postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. Just subscribe to Post Show Recaps. Generally, we've got more going on. We've got the Lost Podcast down the hatch, continues apace, talking about Charlie Pace this week. We've got Mr. Robot coming up very soon. Antonio and I are getting together soon to record our preview of the final season. Walking Dead is ramping up as well. Jessica Lee and I are going to be covering every episode of season 10 of The Walking Dead. It's all happening here on Post Show Recaps. And also happening is going to be a preview of the lead, like we had mentioned at the start of this podcast. So stick around to the end to hear that emily fox anything else no man just looking forward to seeing you again i know i can't wait to return to you emily <laughs> fox. Uh, and we will return to all of you in the very near future with our next recap of succession until then everybody take care bye-bye thank you bye You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do, what do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead is out now. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.